Hello and welcome to God Still Speaks Through Jackasses. We are going to do a series of episodes here that are all pirate sermons. I have been critiquing and critiquing and critiquing things so much, it's just driving me nuts. So I am going to do, it, to do some pirate sermons here on Genesis 14 and 15. These are two very, very thick and rich gospel texts, and I can't wait to do them. They're, I think they're going to be uh, really encouraging and comforting uh, to you. I know these passages are to me. I, I just love these passages because they speak of um, all kinds of things uh, and demonstrate, indeed, what our Savior has done to us, the links he's gone to secure our salvation. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'm also looking forward to reading all of these uh, names from Genesis uh, 14, but uh, but hopefully we'll get through it okay. We'll see how it goes. But at any rate, we're going to look at probably four or five of these. So um, hopefully this will be uh, comforting, uplifting to you, and will remind you of the fact that it is finished. When Jesus painted all, our sins are forgiven, and God loves us totally and unconditionally. I hope you enjoy it. Let me give my thanks out. Cody F. Miller, thank you very much for the use of your artwork um, entitled Balaam, which serves as the artwork for the podcast. Also, thanks to Michael Almquist and Five Iron Frenzy, who have allowed me to use their tune, My Evil Plan to Save the World, which you always hear playing in the background here at the beginning of the podcast. Thank you to you guys. Um, also, as always, thanks to my ministry coach, Gene Talley. If you're looking for ministry coaching of pure awesomeness, I'd recommend you contact Gene at RevTally at gmail.com. That's R-E-V-T-A-L-L-E-Y at gmail.com. My evil plan to save the world. Just you wait till it's unfurled. It'll go down in history. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Now he was a priest of the Most High God. He blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And may God bless the reading of his word. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, this is the gospel. Within the gospel in these pages. Last time we saw how Abram in rescuing Lot was a shadow of Jesus. And now here at toward the end of chapter 14 we see Jesus himself appearing. Suddenly without warning the shadow gives way to the substance. For Abraham was a shadow of the thing to come. And all of a sudden, the thing itself shows up in Melchizedek, king of Salem. Psalm 110 tells us, The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion, saying, Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your troops will be willing on your day of battle arrayed in holy splendor, like young men will come to you like dew from the morning's womb. 
The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest in the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand and he will crush kings on the day of his wrath. He will judge the nations, heaping upon the dead and crushing the rulers of the whole earth. He will drink from a brook along the way. And so he will lift up high his head. And so we see this is certainly a reference to Christ where the enemies of the battle are no longer uh, these kings, these earthly rulers, whatever the case may be. Listen to these words again, knowing that what the Lord crushes is not these earthly things. This is not the point. Don't get caught up. If you're worried about the violence of this, stop it. Listen to these words again, knowing what the Lord crushes and what he judges as gone and forgotten is your sin. The Lord is at your right hand. He will crush kings on that day of his wrath. He will judge the nations, heaping upon the dead and crushing the rulers of the whole earth. And as our Lord is baptized, not to cleanse our sins, but to take away, to take on our sins, David in the psalm tells us he will drink from a brook along the way. And so he will lift up his head high. And it's that's astonishing. An astonishing reference to our Lord's baptism. And in that baptism, Jesus' sins weren't cleansed away. But... but Again, I mentioned uh, Pastor Wolfmuller earlier. He, he uses this idea. Okay, and I think it's excellent. John is baptizing all these people in the Jordan River, right? And, they're, and it's cleansing away their sins, right? So if you can imagine that as these people's sins are being cleansed away, all this, they come in these dirty sheep. And as they are baptized, their sin is like hanging out in the waters there. It's all nasty and gross and... And then Jesus comes along, and he is baptized, and all of that sin goes right onto Jesus. And he lifts his head high, and he drinks of all of our sin. Praise be to God. Now, I could preach this sermon, possibly, but it wouldn't be very good compared to what the writer of the book of Hebrews preaches. He preaches this sermon perfectly, and I won't embellish on it. I'll just read it to you. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham as he was returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham apportioned a tenth part of all the spoils, was first of all, by the translation of his name, king of righteousness and then also king of Salem which is king of peace without father, without mother without genealogy having neither beginning of days nor end of life but made like the son of God he remains a a priest perpetually now observe how great this man was known whom Abraham the patriarch gave a tenth of the choicest spoils and those Indeed, of the sons of Levi who received the priest's office have have commandment in the law to collect a tenth from the people, that is, from their brethren, 
although these are descended from Abraham. But the one whose genealogy is not traced from them collected a tenth from Abraham and blessed the one who had the promises. But without any dispute, the lesser is blessed by the greater. And I'm going to stop right there for a minute. Um, (laughs) I said I wasn't going to interrupt the preacher here in Hebrews. But listen to this verse again. But without any dispute, the lesser is blessed by the greater. Now, we're going to see in Genesis 15 how the greater king is going to take on the punishment, the consequences for a breaking of the covenant. The greater king is going to take on those consequences from Abraham right in the first covenant. And the writer of Hebrews testifies to this. In verse 7, without any dispute, the lesser is blessed by the greater. And we're going to see that very clearly in Genesis 15. So just hold on. We will get there. It's an amazing thing that happens in Genesis 15. So let me continue on. In this case, mortal men receive tithes, but in that case, one receives them of whom it is witnessed that he lives on. And so to speak, through Abraham, even Levi, who received tithes, paid tithes, for he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. Now, if perfection was through the the Levitical priesthood, for on the basis of of the people received the law, what further need was there for another priest to arise according to the order of Melchizedek and not be designated according to the order of Aaron? For when the priesthood is changed of necessity, there takes place a change of the law. For the one concerning whom these things are spoken belongs to another tribe from which no one has officiated at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord was descended from Judah, a tribe with reference to which Moses spoke nothing concerning priests. And this is clearer still. If another priest arises according to the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become such, not on the basis of the law of physical requirement, but according to the power of an indestructible life, for it is attested of you, for it is attested of him, that is Jesus, You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. For, on one hand, there is a setting aside of former commandment. Because of its weakness and uselessness, the law made nothing perfect. And on the other hand, there is a bringing of a better hope, through which we draw near to God. I'm going to read that again. For on the one hand, there is a setting aside of former commandment because of its weakness and uselessness. For the law made nothing perfect. And on the other hand, there is a bringing of a better hope through which we draw near to God. And inasmuch as it was not without an oath, for they indeed became priests without an oath, but he was an oath through the one who said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You, Jesus, are a priest forever. So much more, so much the more, also Jesus has become the guarantee 
of a better covenant. The former priests, on the one hand, existed in greater numbers because they were prevented by death from continuing. But Jesus, on the other hand, because he continues forever, holds his priesthood permanently. Therefore, he is able also to save forever those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was fitting for us to have such a high priest, holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens, who does not need daily, like those high priests, to offer up sacrifice sacrifices, first for his own sins, and then for the sins of the people, because this he did once for all when he sacrificed him when he offered up himself let me read that again for it was fitting for us to have such a high priest holy innocent undefiled separated from sinners and exalted above the heavens who does not need daily like those high priests to offer offer up sacrifices for his own sins and then for the sins of the people because this Jesus did once for all when he offered himself up for us. For the law appoints men as high priests who are weak. But the word of the oath which came after the law appoints a son made perfect forever. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. these things the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying do not fear Abram I am a shield to you your reward shall be very great Abram said oh Lord God what will you give me since I am childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus and Abram said since you have given me no offspring one born in my house is my heir then behold the word of the Lord came to him saying this man shall not be your heir but one who will come forth from your own body, he shall be your heir. And he took him outside and said, Now look toward the heavens and count the stars if you're able to count them. And he said, So shall your descendants be. Then he believed the Lord, and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of, out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess it. He said, O Lord God, how may I know that I will possess it? So he said to him, Bring me a three-year-old heifer, and a three-year-old female goat, and a three-year-old ram, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Then he brought all these to him and cut them into two and laid each half opposite the altar, but he did not cut the birds. The birds of prey came down upon the carcasses, and Abraham drove them away. 
Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and behold, terror and great darkness fell upon him. God said to Abram, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, where they will be enslaved and oppressed four hundred years. But I also will judge the nation whom they will serve, and afterward they will come out with many possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You will be buried at a good old age. Then, in the fourth generation, they will return here, for the iniquity of the Amorite is not yet complete. It came about when the sun had set, that it was very dark, and behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a flaming torch which passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants I have given this land, from the river of Egypt as far as the great river the the river Euphrates. And may God bless the reading of his word. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, this is, in my estimation, the most clear passage we have so far in our scriptures concerning the new covenant God comes to Abram after these intense incredible battles where where we see Abram uh, serving us in this day and time as a shadow to Jesus in, in his rescue of Lot and then after that like we saw in the last podcast we see Jesus himself right after the shadow is given to us come in the person of of the priest of Melchizedek from Salem. And as we saw from the preacher in Hebrews, who preached a wonderful sermon, by the way, <laughs> I thought so, uh, we see this high priest in the order of Melchizedek is indeed Jesus. And now, we go to, to Genesis 15, and, and the text tells us, after these things, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram. We're shifting gears. And now Abram is no longer the shadow. But he's the one we can identify with here. Because Abram is going to be promised something amazing, wonderful, incredible. And God says to Abram, don't fear. Your reward shall be great. Now, in our um, do more, try harder, uh, health and wealth, prosperity type of culture, especially uh, in our church culture, a lot of people say, oh, your reward will be fair. It's talking about material things. And this is what a lot of people think of when they when they read this. Oh, well, God promised to Abram that he would have great rewards, and so you know what? we're going to have great rewards, just like Abram. <laughs> but friends, the text is not talking about anything material. It's a, even while God is promising a an abundance of offspring to Abram, which would have been the the greatest thing any person in, in that day and age would have wished for was a long lineage. That was really kind of how they attained eternal life in that day and time, how they understood it. 
this would have been the greatest thing for for Abram to have a, a long lineage. He still isn't even talking about that. He's not talking about material things, the things of this physical world. He's talking about something much deeper, much more penetrating. He is our God here, speaking to Abram, talking to Abram and to us about meeting the deepest need that we as human beings have, and that is to know that our God forgives our sins. That is, dear saints, the greatest reward we could ever receive. Abram answers back, as we so often do. Isn't that amazing? It's it's crazy to me. I do this all. Don't you? Are you? Have you experienced this? Where 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 you answer back to God? Um, after He said, "Your sins, which are many, are forgiven," you just say. Yeah, but God, you know, blah, 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 blah. There's this, that, and the other excuse about, well, even though my sins are forgiven, I need it. And God says, wait a second. You don't understand. I've just promised you that I will forgive your sins. And you say, i not buying it, God. Either I don't believe that you forgive my sins, or I don't believe my sins need forgiving. That's that's our response to that. And, and and Abraham's response is the same way. He says, "Oh Lord God, what will you give me since I am childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus?" That's who was going to get all of his stuff. And Abraham is very worried about this. And what does God do? I mean, personally, if I was God, and, and praise be to God that I'm not. <laughs> Yeah, that whole that whole idea of um, there, some wag quipped, you know, um, I've learned uh, two certainties in life that uh, that there is a God and I'm not Him. Yeah, right. Let's just be glad that I'm not God. But if I was God and you you too, you think this way too. If I was God, I would say, okay, forget it, forget it, Abraham. If you don't you don't believe me, then you know, push off. Whatever, pound sand, kick rocks. But what happens? What happens? Abraham complains, you've given me no offspring. One born in my house is my heir. What does God do? He doesn't send Abraham packing. The Lord continues to preach the gospel to him, saying, this man will not be your heir, but one who will come forth from your own body, he shall be your heir. And he took him outside And he said, look to the heavens and count the stars if you are able. And God says to him, so shall your descendants be. Now something happens right here that's just astonishing, amazing, incredible, wonderful. Abraham, by the power of the Holy Spirit, gets it. Abraham, Abraham. Abram, who is to become Abraham, Abraham, has one son. And that one son continues on. But but the promise here, and I, I believe Abram, Abram got this. The promise here isn't about physical sons, 
but about all of those who would believe on the one to come. They are indeed the heirs of Abram, who would become Abraham. And those, dear saints, those numbers are unfathomable. Can't count them. And something happens. The Holy Spirit descends on Abram, and the text tells us that he believed in the Lord. And the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. Now that word reckoned, okay? Let's talk about that for a second because I think it's important. That word reckoned, Paul uses that word. And it's rendered um, in the Hebrew and translated that way. But also, if you look at the Septuagint, the Greek, so you can kind of compare New Testament, Old Testament, Paul uses this exact same word, reckoned, which we take our term to mean is imputed, given, something that, that's like a, you take this thing that, that's, a, that's an essence of you and you give it to somebody else, you put it inside of them. So we could say that, that Abram, by the power of the Holy Spirit, believed in the Lord and it was imputed to him as righteousness. It was given to him as righteousness. That is what made Abram righteous and and made him the one who would be the father of descendants that would far outnumber the stars. Thank you for listening to God Still Speaks Through Jackasses. We'd love to hear from you. Please email us at discussion at godstillspeaksthroughjackasses.org. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash godstillspeaksthroughjackasses. And follow us on Twitter. Our handle there is at JesusJackass. Please rate and review the cast on Stitcher and iTunes. That helps us quite a bit there as it gets us a little higher on the playlist with those folks. And tell your friends about the cast, especially if you're a little shy about sharing the gospel. Plus that... Your friends will laugh when they hear you say, God still speaks through jackasses. I may fold their brown, deep and furrow brown, uncanny and so clever, it's our newest plan ever, got tired of whining. All third-party material is used under the authority of the Copyright Act of 1976, 17, Section 107, Fair Use.
Wait.